You're listening to a sermon audio from Cypress Church. You can listen to more sermons on our website or by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. We hope you enjoy the sermon and invite you to attend one of our services at 9 and 1030 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Good morning. This is Mike, one of the pastors here. Take your Bibles, if you will, and open up to Matthew chapter 20. If you don't have a Bible with you, our wonderful ushers have some Bibles in their hands. They would love to let you borrow one. Just wave at them and they'd be happy to get you a loaner there. Just when you're done, leave it there. If you don't have a Bible and you would like to own one, we'd love to give you one. Uh, not for someone else, but for you. Just go to the lobby area after the service and say, hey, I'd like a Bible. And they'd be happy to give you one. It's yours to keep. All we ask is that you read it. Hey, take out of your worship folder. There's a couple of things inside there. I'll explain a lot of those. Uh, Susan already explained to you about the uh, prayer cards, but uh, there's an outline in there. Take out that. There's some blanks to fill in. The answers will be up on the screen as we go through our time together. But um, I know some of you would say, oh, I just want the answers, uh, and you can get them. Because uh, uh, I also give a lot of extra verses for you to look up afterwards because I want you to be studying the Bible. So we've created this uh, study page. It's also our uh, life group questions that for a lot of our life groups go through a sermon-based questions. And, and so those are on the front and on the back are all the answers to the fill-in-the-blanks plus all the extra verses. So pick one of these up and you can use this for a study guide. I actually hear some people pick them up before the service. They write their notes right on that and that's great too. So, you know, it's not cheating. So it's, it's just fine like that. But I want to encourage you with that. You know, uh, as we've been going through this series in the dust of the rabbi, uh, well, I'll explain that in a moment, but, but we're, we're handling different uh, passages on different campuses. We have our Los Alamitos campus that's handling at some time some different campuses. But this Sunday, we're actually, Justin and I are, are preaching the same passage. So if you want to hear a different perspective, maybe a better perspective, go listen to Pastor Justin online. But you got me this morning, and so I'll do the best I can to, to get through this with you this morning. I actually, Christy set all of our clocks ahead, every one of them, but we forgot to set our alarm. So uh, I normally wake up about 5.30 on Sundays and, you know, go, go through things and get all prepared and, and the church here about 7 and I woke up at 7. I'm going, ah! <laughs> and then I got here and I forgot my sermon, I forgot my Bible, I forgot everything, I, and I forgot my phone. I know, can you believe that? How do you live without that phone? But I was able to get home, I hitched a ride with the people that are uh, going to the branch and I jumped in the back of their truck and then got back here and I'm here so... I'm okay. First service went great, so we're, we're planning a, a great time this morning. But I have a question for you. How many of you have ever won something? I mean, not because you uh, uh, did anything for it or earned it or deserved it in some way or it was due to you, but you just were at the right place at the right time. Maybe you were the 10,000th person in line and you got a prize or, or maybe uh, someone just handed you an unexpected gift or you... Um, you are the recipient of one of those random acts of kindness. Anybody like that? Anybody? Yeah, a few of you. That's great. It's, uh, it's wonderful. Well, there's a name for things like that. It's not called luck or karma. It's called grace. Grace is unmerited favor, an undeserved gift. And actually this morning, for three of you, I have an unmerited favor and a gift for you. If you open up your worship folder and you see a little tiny smiley face, it's kind of my face, in the corner right there, you're a winner. It looks like this. I made a bigger version of that. Anybody have it? There should be three of you. If you do, come on down! Woo! We got uh, something for you. So here's a little package of jelly beans for you. And I've got some 
some chocolate Hershey's chocolate eggs for you. Okay, there's one more. Okay, Norm, you got that good. Okay, so let's here. Let's. Uh, let, I'm gonna give you these Cadbury eggs. These are the best out there. So now, uh, isn't that great? Give them a big hand. They didn't deserve it or earn it, but you so you notice that there's a package of them. So wouldn't it be fun if they shared their grace gift with everybody around them? I think so. So, you know, share it around and let people enjoy the gift of grace that you received. And, and I love it. You know, it, it, it's fun like that, even more fun when we share it. But there's an interesting reality uh, in response to these grace happenings in life. Some of us are excited. They're excited that these people received these <laughs> grace gifts and we're all excited about it. And, and hopefully someday we'll be a recipient too. We're just excited about that. Others of us are a little disappointed you know, we're disappointed we didn't receive a gift. And, and, and in these people in their Eeyore way say, you know, it'll never happen to me. It's just another gloomy day. I never win anything. And as well, a few others are just plain mad. <laughs> they're mad at me. They're mad at the church. They're mad at the usher for didn't, handing him the right worship folder. Because they didn't get chosen, because they feel a little bit entitled. I mean, saying, I've come to this church for years. I've even given something in the offering. No one has a gift for me. What's up with that? Well, what's your response to grace? What should our response to grace be? Well, our rabbi, our teacher, Jesus, is going to show us as he tells us a parable to once again teach us something about himself and to show us how we should live. And as we continue on this, this journey of being in the dust of the rabbi, that, that idea, as in ancient times, when, when someone would want to follow a rabbi, a teacher, they would literally follow behind him as a, as a sense of honor. And they wanted to follow so close that then when he flipped up the dust on his sandals, it would settle on them so that they would not only notice and imitate the, the master's or the rabbi's uh, actions, but also that their wisdom would would like dust settle on them and they would take it in and understand why they did what they did and, and more about themselves. And so we're to be like that as we come and, and, and learn from God. And that's really, that should be the way we always treat uh, dealing with the Bible and, 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 and learning. Like we should come to Sunday morning expecting to, something to receive from God, to learn more about Him and to learn how we should live. As we open up the Bible for ourselves in our own personal Bible study, we should be looking at what's this teaching me about God and Christ and the Holy Spirit and, and how is it teaching me how then shall I live? I, we should be learning those kinds of things. We listen to things on the radio and songs even we sing. What is this teaching us about ourselves and about God? And, ask, and we should be asking, how then shall we leave? And this morning, Jesus is teaching about grace. Three aspects of grace to grasp and to live by as we are in the dust of the rabbi. And so as is our custom here, set your books aside, stand up for a moment and let's pray. I'm glad that you're here. And I believe that God has something for you specifically here this morning. There's something about this time, and I'm sure it's already been with the music and that great video from Tim Keller and, 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 and now more to come. But God wants you to learn something from his word this morning. And so let's ask him and the Holy Spirit to come teach us. Father, thank you for this morning. <clears throat> thank you for the, the great truth of your word and the, just the weighty and uh, important words of Jesus as we take a look at this parable this morning. God, teach us. Holy Spirit, work in our life. And, and Lord, help us to see that, 
that instance where uh, we need to learn, uh, cause us and challenge us, each one of us, Lord, individually and, and with perspectives and understanding and, 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 and help us understand how you want us to live. Let's learn more about you, Jesus, and, and the grace that you've given us. And, and Lord, help us along the way and use this time, we pray in your son's name. Amen. Have a seat. <coughs> and keep, keep that uh, outline handy. Again, the answers will be up on the screen, but again, you can get that study pace. But three aspects of grace to grasp and to live by. The first aspect of grace is grace is available. And so get, take your Bible, if you haven't already done so, and ter- open to um, Matthew chapter 20, looking at verse 1. It says this, Jesus is talking and he's, he's saying this, for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now, Jesus talked a lot about the kingdom of heaven. Matter of fact, if you want a place, you can write down these verses or you can pick up a study guide that has, them, that has the verses listed in them. But Matthew chapter 13, verse 31, 33, 44, 47, all talk about the kingdom of heaven is like. All helping people to understand not just heaven, but understand God's way of life now. See, everybody who's hearing this for the first time would have understand what it means to be in a kingdom and what different kingdoms were like. Because if there was a good king, that's it, you'd have an enjoyable time in that kingdom. If there was a bad king, it would be a dismal time. And with God's kingdom, this kingdom of heaven that, that Tim Keller talked about as we enter in through grace, is a kingdom of grace. Let me just go through a few verses about this. And again, you can write these down or you can get the study guide later. But it's Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, where it says, But for by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. For grace is an undeserved appreciation. And we've been saved by grace. We didn't do anything to earn our salvation. Uh, we didn't give any kind of uh, thing that we did that makes us more saved. It's just simply a gift. An undeserved appreciation. As a matter of fact, Romans eleven six says that if it's works, in other words, if it's built by merit, then it's not grace. For grace is a gift. These people who receive these, this candy, they didn't earn it. They didn't deserve it. They just got given to them because they just happened to have the right worship folder. That's right. Be at the right place at the right time. It was a gift of grace. Hebrews 4.16 says, We are to boldly approach the throne of grace. Grace is the kindness of God in that He, holy, awesome, amazing, incredible, all-powerful, almighty God, wants to connect with you and I. And so He wants us to boldly approach this throne of grace. We don't have any right to come to God's presence, but because of what Jesus did, His, his blood, and I'll explain that later, His death covered us, and now we can enter into that relationship with Him and that connection with Him. Another verse. Matter of fact, why don't you go ahead and turn to it. Take your Bible and turn over to Titus. It's in the New Testament. If you're already in Matthew, just go east and it's with all the T's. Thessalonians, Timothy, then Titus. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 to 14. It says this. For the grace of God has appeared. That's speaking of Jesus. Jesus is the grace of God personified. The grace of God that has appeared bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the, pre- in the present age, waiting for the blessed hope, the appearing of the great 
God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us and redeemed us from all lawlessness to purify for himself a people of his own possessions who are zealous for good works. Those good works don't earn us salvation, but in God's kingdom, as we'll hear in a moment, are just the good works of being in God's kingdom that we should be doing. And so this grace is, is the favor of God that we are to let teach and train us to live right. We are to be trained by grace and seek godliness. Uh, that's what Jesus has been continuing to explain all throughout his, the Gospels. You see that. God's kingdom is a great way of life. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That, 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 that seek the kingdom of God is to seek Jesus and the, uh, the throne of light. Tim Keller said central to life, that we are to seek him central. And, and this verse, Jesus says, everything else will begin to align. See, in God's kingdom, everything aligns in that regard. And so when we un- enter under that kingdom, life aligns. Now, it, it doesn't mean that life will be easy in God's kingdom and under his rule of grace. Matter of fact, write down someone you know. It's John 16, 33. It's for in this world, you will face tribulation. Anybody here have had trouble in their life? Yeah, all of us. That's true. You know, in life, you will face tribulation because life is full of monsters. Isn't that true? I mean, there are are relationship monsters, not the person you're in a relationship with. They're not the monster. But sometimes that relationship turns monster on you. Maybe there's monsters at work, a tyrant of a boss or just difficulty situation or the monster of, of finances, the monster of, of any kind of health issue, the monster of cancer. And Life is full of those kind of difficulties of life. But under Jesus' kingdom, there is help. Write down Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. His way of life, his yoke, is a good way of life. And he will help us through the difficulties of life. Now, this kingdom is not automatic. We each need to, to, to choose uh, to uh, enter into it. We talk about this all the time, and, and that's what that song talks about, about his blood. It doesn't mean literally his blood is poured out on you. That's kind of gory. It's some Kakeri movie or something. It's not like that. It, 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 it's his death. See, the problem is, is that we want to get into God's kingdom, but we're locked out. And we can't try to pick the lock or break it down or do something to try to get into it. There's no way possible because we have a sin nature. And, and holy, righteous God cannot be in the presence of sinful human being. We're separated. The, the Bible says our iniquities have separated us from God. And we can't somehow clean ourselves and wash ourselves off of this sin. It is a stain that is deep. And the only way is through Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God but through him. By his death, he paid the ultimate sacrifice for our sin. And in a sense, we are washed clean by his blood, by his death. And so therefore, he handed us the key. It's Jesus. We can open the door and we can walk into that kingdom. And how we do that is through belief. Belief has with it confessions. One, that we're sinful. One, that Jesus is the one who paid the penalty for our sin. And then it's to commit our life to open the door and to walk into the kingdom. 
It's by grace we have been saved. No merit of ourselves. We didn't try to earn the key or somehow uh, by our good works make it possible to clean ourselves. We can't do that. It's all by grace we've been saved. But yet, once we're inside, and really what holds us back is that, and it happens even when we're inside the kingdom, we want to be king. We want to be the one in charge. And a lot of times we won't even accept the salvation because we want to rule our own life. And we'll be constantly left out. But even inside the kingdom, we want things our own way, which doesn't make any sense at all because he's either Lord or not. And to mean Lord means that we actually submit to what he says because the king is in charge. The truth is we're not the king. Jesus is. And we need to be humble and focus on him. And inside the kingdom, there's activity. There's activity to be done in God's kingdom. Not that earns us favor to get in the kingdom, but once we're in it, there's stuff to do. We have jobs to do. It doesn't earn us any more favor, but it's, it's what we're required to do. And out of love, we do them. Uh, Jesus talked about that. He spoke of that in the parable by talking about the laborers and, and the work and such. See, Jesus is not just talking about heaven after we die, but about living life his way now, being under Jesus' grace-filled kingdom now. The question is, how will you respond to the grace of Jesus and to the gracious way of life we can have under his kingdom? Will you receive it? Will you come to that place? And many of you have. You've, you've received Jesus and, you, and you're inside the kingdom. But even inside the kingdom, is he really king? Or are you still trying to be king? Choose to live under his rule and to labor in his kingdom. See, the problem is that, and the reason why we, we struggle in our Christian life is that one, we want to be king or, or we're simply... We just simply just want to do nothing. <laughs> we get inside the kingdom and go, okay, I'm here. I'm back. <laughs> and we do nothing. And yet God says there's stuff to do in the kingdom and we need to figure that out and get on with it. But just, it, it just makes sense to receive the, the grace and, and life in this grace kingdom. For the next aspect of grace is that grace is beneficial. If you're in Titus, go back to, to Matthew Chapter 20. Now let's, let me just read for you um, verses 1 to 8. If, come on, work now. It's stuck. Oh, there. Hello? It's getting there, don't worry. Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 to 8. Come on. Why is it just sitting there? Yeah, I have one here too. This one has pages. I would still be flipping the pages back. Okay, now I'm in Titus again. What are you doing? Matthew chapter 20, verse 1. Look at how fast that was. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius, which is a normal wage for a day, after agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into the vineyard. 
And going out in the third hour, now, now in, uh, in uh, this ancient world, there was a, uh, the workday started at 6 a.m. and ended at 6 p.m. And so you can kind of get what is the third hour, fourth hour, so forth. You'll get it in a minute. Uh, going out after the third hour, which is 9 o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, you too go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. And going out again in the sixth hour, that's noon, and the ninth hour, which is three, he did the same. And about the 11th hour, which is five o'clock p.m., one hour before closing time, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why are you here idle all day? And you really want to know that. Why? Why didn't get the, they get chosen to work? What was it about them? You know, were they lazy? Were they, they did not know how to work? Were they just trying to, you know, I don't want to really work today? I, we don't know. But chances are, usually the first really good workers get picked first, and the not so good workers get picked last. And that's very important, and we'll get to that as a moment. But why do you stand here idle all day? They said, because no one has hired us. Yeah, we know why. <laughs> he said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And then evening came, and the owner said to the, uh, the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And that was against uh, uh, kind of the, the, the job codes of the day. You always paid the first person first and the last person last. But Jesus flips it, as he always does, and has something he wants us to teach them. And we'll get to that in a moment. But <clears throat> everyone hearing this could relate to the desire to have work to provide for their families, to be useful. We're built that way. Each one of us desire to be part and to be useful with the talents we've been given. But the truth is, there are some who have really good talents and they're the ones who usually get picked first. Now, you've maybe had that scene, you know, where you're, all the kids line up against the backstop and you're going to play kickball. And, and who gets picked first? The really cool kids and the kids who really know how to play, pick, you know, play kickball first. You know, they get picked first. Well, I was one of the kids who got picked last. Matter of fact, they would say, no, no, I took McKay last time. You, you take McKay this time. No, I'll give you two of my guys if you take one of, you know, McKay. But regardless of that, it was fun to be picked at least. At least I got to play. I, I did more water polo and swimming. Kickball was not my forte. But um, I can do okay now. But... What's great about the kingdom and, and the, 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 the benefits in the kingdom is that Jesus says to all of us, I have a place for you. The really talented workers and the workers who are a little unworthy, all of us he has a place for. We're not left to drift. We're all capable or not. The benefit of his grace kingdom is that we have belonging. Because again, it's not something we earn. Ephesians 2.19 puts it this way. And so then, you are no longer strangers or aliens, but you are fellow citizens, citizens with the saints and the members of God's household. Not only that, but there's immense love in God's kingdom. There's kindness and mercy and joy, plus significance, purpose, and we fit in. We fit in to Jesus' grace-filled kingdom. Philippians 4.19 says that our needs will be met in God's grace kingdom. Uh, Romans 8, 37 to 39 says that there's inseparable love in God's kingdom. 
These are all the benefits of God's kingdom. In Proverbs 1, 33, there's enduring peace in God's kingdom. In Isaiah 41, verse 10, there's powerful presence in God's kingdom. And I love what John 11, 25 and 26 says, that there's life, not just life, but real life. The life that you were meant to live is found inside God's kingdom. That's the benefit of his grace kingdom. And I could go on and on uh, on the great and amazing promises of God in his grace-filled kingdom. There's a whole book about it. That's called the Bible. God is amazing, and by his grace, all of us and all of this is ours if we step in, if we step into his kingdom and his way of life. So we should celebrate that. Enjoy it. Waft it in like a great fragrance. Remember it like that amazing vacation and walk into it with that smile on our face like when we walk into a place like Disneyland. The Lord's grace is worthy of worship. And so right now I'm gonna ask the, the worship team to come up and just lead us in a, in a song again of, of worshiping uh, the amazing benefits of God's grace that he has just bestowed on all of us. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it, but it's there for us if we're willing to step into God's kingdom. All of God's blessings and his, uh, that sense of belonging and all of those kindness and love and mercy are all found in his kingdom. And it's available. And we should receive it. And if you haven't yet made that decision of faith, I encourage you, move towards that. Know Jesus more and come to that place where you believe. If you'd like some help in that, I'd be more than happy. You can email me or come chat with me afterwards. And I'd love to help lead you in that process. Many of you are already there. And instead of worrying about trying to earning favor with God, spend that time celebrating all that you already have. Because yes, grace is available, so we should receive it. And grace is beneficial, so we should celebrate it. But also grace is educational. Grace educates us on how generous Jesus is. Yet unfortunately, it shows how self-centered we are. Look again what happened in this parable. As Jesus finishes it up, let me read again verse 8 and then now to the end of our passage. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages beginning with the last up to the first. And when those who hired about who were hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius, a full day's wage. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it they grumbled at the master of the house, saying these last workers worked only one hour and you gave them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day in the scorching heat. <laughs> but the landowner, the master replied to them and said, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this worker this last worker as I gave to you. I'm not, am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or, you do be, or do you begrudge my generosity? Jesus pulls out of his parable and looks at the disciples and says, so the last will be first and the first last. 
There's a great significance of that, and we'll get to that in a moment. But you may be saying to yourself, wait a minute, this doesn't sound very fair. (laughs) Shouldn't everybody be equal? Interesting, it was fair until someone got more. There is, uh, this is where grace educates us three, three ways. First, in verse 11 and 12, grace educates us of our own gracelessness. These workers were doing fine until someone got more. And this kind of thing even happens now. We see God bless someone. We see God heal someone. We, we see God provide for someone. We see someone win something at church. We even see attention and the church programming focused on lost people and we get all bent out of shape. Why were these workers not celebrating? They had not let the grace of the master settle into their soul. They were still harboring that entitled, that I deserve more, that works, I can earn God's favor mentality. See, even though they were in the kingdom, they felt for some reason that if they did the works of the kingdom, that, that, that they'd be better blessed. That they'd be more and get more of God's love. And God doesn't work that way. We all get it all, whether it's the, the super uh, worker or the unworthy one. It's all the same in God's grace kingdom. And we have to get out of our mind that for some reason that we gain merit. Well, you know, I've been a Christian for number of years. And, and you know, why should they get favor? I, I, I got to tell you this story. I wasn't going to share this, but I'm going to share this. Uh, um, this happened in our church, and it was, a, uh, I just feel even ashamed that it would happen. That, but uh, one of our uh, members, this was a while back, this is years and years ago, um, got remarried. And uh, um, unfortunately, he, his divorce was, his wife had deserted him and had broken the marriage vow. And even according to God's word, he was okay to bit, get married again. And so we celebrated that like we do with all the different customs that we do, you know, when someone has a baby or that we celebrated their, their, um, their marriage. And I had one guy, they don't, they don't go here anymore. Uh, um, I had one guy pull me outside and said, how dare you? I've been faithfully married for 20 years and you never pull me up in front of the church. I thought, you don't get grace. You don't get grace. Because see, it's not about merit. We don't earn God's favor. Well, I've been a Christian for 20,000 years. Great! Still be busy about the kingdom because there's not any more you can do to earn God's favor more. We need to repent of that graceless attitude and realize that we're to be busy about the kingdom just because God has told us so. We don't deserve anything. We are all depraved. Last week's sermon, as, as, as Richard talked about, our heart, every single one of our hearts is desperately wicked. And we're to, to get back and repent of that gracelessness and and celebrate all we have already been given in God's kingdom. It is a painful lesson because everything around us talks about earning and that. And we think somehow we can earn salvation and even in God's kingdom, we can earn a better place in God's kingdom. It just simply is not true. God loves us all the same and blesses us all the same. And we can't earn any more of it. 
But when we receive grace, it really reveals our heart. And these guys who've been given great grace, they didn't have to worry about, I, I, one person wrote in and I, I, um, I, I wrote a, my weekly post on this and one of our missionaries wrote in and said, you know, these, these first workers who worked all day long, they didn't have to worry about lunch. They didn't have to worry about getting a job. They didn't have to worry about any of that stuff because they had a job. That's grace. And yeah, the, the, the later workers, they felt unworthy. They were last picked. It's a painful lesson, but it's a good education. Also, grace educates us in that God is, is generous, verses 13 and 14, and fulfills his word. Just go back sometime through the Bible and check. God has always and will always be true to his word. His grace-filled word. I love what Ephesians 3 20 and 21 says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, that's grace. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. The grace actions of Jesus teach us that God will be true to his word and that he is generous. We're to take it in, we're to absorb it and learn from it and trust in it. Even when we don't understand all that's going on, even when we're in the midst of a difficult time, we need to trust in God and, and let that grace show by, by giving that grace to others, just like these little grace candy gifts are meant to be shared by others and to be given out. Well, grace also teaches us of our own unfortunate self-centeredness. See, in, in, in verses in 15 and 16, in the grumbling to the master and questioning his fairness, the master gets that this guy, this worker, is trying to take the master's place and tell him how to run his business. And he says that in, in, in verse 15 when he says, am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me, the master says? This worker was not celebrating the generosity of the master or excited about the master's grace. He was more thinking of himself and that his skills should earn more. And that's what Jesus was trying to get these disciples to, to deal with. If you remember the passage that happened last Sunday, Peter says, well, man, we've given up everything for you, God. Aren't we going to get something more? And Jesus says, no, it's all the same in his kingdom. Skilled or not, but this grace shows our tendency as believers to shift the focus off of God's grace and onto ourselves where it's me central my talents, what I do, and also what I am getting out of it or not. It's, it's a life of comparison. It's that idea of being envious or that, actually, if you, if you look at verse 15 in the last part of that, it says, or, it says, or do you begrudge my generosity? That word begrudge is literally evil eye. And that evil eye is that eye of, of, of jealousy, and jealousy is that form of evil that I should get more than you. I deserve more than you. And when God gives his great grace, boy, it just seems like that bubbles up within us. And we play that comparison game and even measure our worth by comparing. We want our way, our ideas at home, at work, at school, with family, with our spouse, with our friends. It's always got to be about us. Take some time and in inventory of your conversations. How many times do you use the word me or I or my? It happens all over the place. Even at church, we want it my way. We want, it, we want to be in charge. Even with God, we, we get demanding in our prayer. And by the power of God, we just need to stop. 
We are not God, nor are we in charge. When you step into God's kingdom, you relinquish control. You are not your own anymore. So quit trying to be. Quit trying to be king. Quit trying to be the one in charge and humbly submit to him. And we all have all the blessings of heaven. Ephesians 1, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. We have it all. And the reality is, yes, the last will be first, and the first will be last. Not meaning unequal in reward. We all have the same reward because no matter when you join this team, you still celebrate the win. There are many times that I was so excited that our team won, even though I was last picked. I got to celebrate in the win. But those last refer to the unworthy, the last hired because of their lack of proficiency or, or maybe not all that competent. And yes, they will celebrate first because they get the immense generosity of God. Now, I don't know how you feel about your salvation, but uh, I feel very unworthy. I, I know my sin. I know I don't deserve it. I didn't grow up in a Christian home, dad an alcoholic, and, and struggled, and, and uh, I, I was even a sinful person, did some terrible things, and, and uh, I know I'm not worthy. I, I know that Jesus paid the penalty for my sin and I'm so grace, grateful that whenever we have communion it touches me deeply because I don't deserve to be saved. I deserve all the, 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 the reality of hell because there's nothing I did to earn my salvation. There's nothing I could do and being inside God's kingdom I just feel kind of happy to be inside the door. <laughs> I got invited to the party! <laughs> I wasn't the honored guest. At least that's how I feel. I just feel like I'm just happy to be in the room. Yet those super competent who got chosen first, worked all day. Actually, this statement, the first shall be last and the last, and the, 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 the last shall be first and the first shall be last is actually a warning of Jesus. If you want to read more about that, um, you got my blog, some of you got my blog or the, my, my weekly email. I actually expand on this point. If you want to get that, you can email me and get more. But this is a warning of Jesus that yes, they will be last. These first workers will be last. They'll be unworthy because they need to be shown through trials and such that they are just as unworthy as the, as the last picked workers. For again, God's kingdom is, is a kingdom of grace. It's not by merit or competency. Even these great, awesome workers who got chosen first, they're just the same as the unworthy workers. And whether you come to Christ early in life or late in life, there's no difference. We're all inside the kingdom and can enjoy the blessing of that graceful kingdom. But those of us who have this somehow entitled mentality that you grew up in a great Christian family and have this this sense of of entitlement, get rid of that. Because none of us are entitled. We are just as unworthy. 
Our heart is desperately wicked. We're all still sinful, sinful, and we need saving by God's grace. Let that truth soak in and quit trying to earn favor. Yes, work in the vineyard. Work with all of your might, not to earn chips or favor or more love from God, but work hard because God says so out of obedience for him. If you want a verse for that, write down Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. Work with all of your might to give glory to God. See, grace does educate us. So absorb these teachings about God and ourselves and heed the warning. Don't work to gain favor or blessing. Do good works out of obedience and love and to bring God glory. See, regardless of whether you win a prize at church or not, if you've chosen to step into God's grace kingdom, God's grace ruled way of life, know that grace is available, so receive it. Grace is beneficial, so celebrate it. And grace is educational, so learn from it. And like those who received a gift of grace just in a fun way, it was meant to be shared. I love uh, uh, some of these stories that come out about different people, but most of these candies are, are, are Hershey's candies. And the reason I wanted to use Hershey's candies was because uh, Milton Hershey and his wife, they, they uh, had no kids. And they wanted to share the blessing of their um, uh, empire of chocolate that they had received. And so they decided that they would adopt children, whole populations of them, they offered an education that would prepare them for life and career. They wanted to focus on at-risk kids who came from poor homes, both financially and socially. And they took the money they had made from selling their chocolate and set up trust funds to develop to the development of children, and it still exists today. The school serves nearly 2,000 students, pre-K to 12th grade, who live in 171 campus homes with house parents. It's the largest residential education program in our nation. They wanted to share the grace and the blessing of what they had, and we should too. And that's why inside your worship folder, you have this card. Because we want you to be able to, to celebrate the grace that you've received from God with other people. And so we put this down here so that you would write down some names to pray about that you could invite to Easter. Because let me tell you, Easter week's going to be phenomenal. Starts on Palm Sunday, then we have Monday, Thursday on Thursday, and Good Friday on Friday, and then you know, Easter Sundays, we're going to blow it all out and have a great celebration. And Easter, people want to come to church. They want to hear about the grace of God. Statistically, people, people want to go to a church. And you know a really nice church with really nice people around it. It's this one. And so this is an opportunity for you to begin to start praying for that. And I encourage you to write their names on here and then write their names down here, tear it off, give this to an usher or bring it up front here and, and, we'll, and we'll put that on our prayer list and make it a matter of prayer. And, and you have inside of your worship folder even some <coughs> invitations to invite them to Easter week. There's something actually packed down front. Because the idea is that this grace gift we received is not just meant to be kept to ourselves, but actually to share it with other people. It's one of the things that God asks us to do to go and to share with other people. So the ch- question is, will you? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the <clears throat> just the reality of your grace that you've given to us. Not something we've earned or deserved, Lord, but you just give it to us because you love us and you've chosen to love us.
And so we receive that gift of grace and we want to celebrate it. And, <clears throat> and then, Lord, we want, to be, we want to learn by it. Lord, I know that it's so easy. I can be that entitled person and feel like I deserve something of you. Instead, I need to put my attention towards celebrating it and just working hard in the kingdom as you've called me to work. Help us each with that, Lord. Help us each to live that grace-filled life, knowing that you're a God of grace and that you want us to live a grace-filled life in you. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.